Welcome to Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations. Whether you've got here by accident or on purpose, you've found your way here. The only admission price is the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. Allow us to help you help yourself explode into your life through full impact mindfulness. My name is Jim Ellermeyer. I'm a behavioral health therapist, and today we're going to continue our conversation with our guest, Santina Grace. You ask for tolerance, compassion, all these higher energies to kind of um, assist and to help support that situation so that it can transition out smoothly. Because sometimes people are going to stick in and and stick into the, you know, they're not going to change, but you have to have the compassion to understand that, right? Well, the Bible's Jesus message was love, compassion, and forgiveness. So when you're talking about love, compassion, and forgiveness, and you're talking about calling on an angel, a spirit guide, a bodhisattva to protect you, protect you from? Sometimes it's yourself, (laughs) you know? It it could be anything. It could be, you know, protect me from, you know, uh, making um, a, a wrong action or a wrong decision or a wrong choice or protect me from not seeing the whole picture, you know? It could be a, a, a myriad of, of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be protection from just something that you feel um, repressed in your life or stuck or protect me from from always being a certain way or not seeing a way out or, or something like that. You get what I'm saying? It's like think outside the box. <laughs> I, I, I like that because mm. I think we've been uh, conditioned to fear evil that there's this malevolent force that's always trying to destroy us yeah no i think we all have in within us evil and goodness and every single decision that we make in our life is taking a stance either in one direction or the other and nobody's a saint nobody's perfect i even believe i mean this is gonna be controversial but i think that even saints made mistakes and i mean they were human beings walking on this earth plane it's part of the game you have to mess up it's just part of it you have to mess up and you have to learn how to forgive yourself well forgiving yourself of course is one of the biggest things in recovery so the 11th step in 12-step recovery santina says sought through prayer and meditation to increase our conscious contact with God as we understand God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So what does the term God mean to you? So I don't, I just really feel for me, I don't, I mean, I've gone through different stages of my life. You know, I, I was, I grew up a Catholic. And so, you know, you think about this man in the clouds or whatever, but I don't believe that that's not really where I go um, right now. I, I really believe God is almost like um, like the universal consciousness or the, 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 I don't know, they call it Christ consciousness or whatever. I think it's the part where we all kind of understand each other and see each other. To me, that to me feels like the divine. When we can really look at each other and see each other as, oh, you're just like me. We're just the same, you know? Um I think that's where the divine lives. I really do. Well, of course, that's what namaste means. The divine in me recognizes and honors the divine in you. And I'm a Quaker, and our belief is that there's that of God, creator, the divine in everyone. Mm -hmm. 
for sure. I a hundred percent. That's, I, I just feel like, again, we, we all have the capability to, to, I think the main thing is we all just get in our own ways, right? I love that. Yeah. So we have such potential within us. Um, and I feel like the more that we, I don't know, speak our truth and like in, in a respectful manner and understand that, you know, we're all like doing the best that we can every day as human beings on this planet. And sometimes there's awful, horrific violent, terrible acts that just can't be comprehended or understood. Um, but it's about, I don't know. I always look at these like really horrific, negative, like violent acts as a means to togetherness, because at the end of the day, what it makes you realize is that, wow, we have a really finite amount of time here and wow, we better make use of it. And and what do I want to do? What is my message? How do I want to help people? How do I want to connect? So even in the, in, even in kind of like the negative acts, you've got to find, I don't know the the hope, the glimmers of hope in people. I don't know. I think Mr. Rogers always said it, you know, you always look out for the helpers. You always look for the helper people. And I just, I find that so much to be true. Like nowadays, you know, I don't want to get into like recent events, but you know, I was watching the, the story of the, the man who, um, I think there was a recent shooting in an LGBTQ plus, um, nightclub and, and this gentleman, he wrestled the, the gunman to the ground and he was being interviewed and the newsman was talking about, you know, gun controls and laws and all this stuff. And he said, you know, at the end of the day, this is about people who are just really angry. And he's like, we got to stop being angry with each other and we just need to be kind and respectful. And I'm like, thank you. Finally, somebody, you know, because it's not about who's holding what weapon or whatever. In the day, the root of the problem is this person was upset and angry enough to get violent. And that's the thing that we're not talking about. You know, it's like there's anger out there. If we could talk to people about their anger, if we can, if they would feel empowered to express it in a healthy and productive way, maybe they wouldn't resort to these acts of violence, you know? Well, unfortunately, and this has been through the dawn of time, that the way that people influence others is through fear, fear that there's something's going to be taken away from them or they're not going to get something that they rightly deserve. And again, you know, Mr. Rogers, I'm glad you bring him up. Uh, he always said, look for the helpers. However, what he also said, if you can't find one, be one. Yeah, that's 100%. So naturally, everyone wants answers. Everyone wants answers. And they're going, I'm sure you've been asked this question by people. Well, who created the spirit guides? Who created the angels? Who created this? Honestly, I feel like we're all, I think we all have the potential to be spirit guides. We all have the potential to be angels. We could like, I just really do feel that. I really feel like, um, you know, when you go into the world of spirit, you can decide, you can decide in which way you want to evolve because I don't think the spirit guides and the angels are the end all be all know all the answers. Absolutely not. They're evolving just as we are, but on different spiritual realms and in different spiritual planes. And I think a lot of the times they get assigned to us because the very thing that they need to help us with is something that they also need to grow and learn. So if you can't find a spirit guide, be one. Exactly. <laughs> and I think like same here with, like I said, earth angels, you know, there's so many people in this walking this earth that want to help people that genuinely care, that want to 
you know, support in some way. And my hunch is that you can recognize and see these people. Oh, for sure. I think we all can, can't we? You know, I think, I think people who make eye contact, people who say hello, people who, you know, something, you drop something, they pick it up for you. You know, these are the, these are the helpers. And if you don't see any helpers, I agree with you, then, then be the helper, you know, step up and, and step forward. So you're talking about life lessons in the school of life. And we go through hopefully absorbing some of these lessons and incorporating them in our life. However, one of the huge things and is about the distractions that we all face in this world and distractions that we indulge in. Could you say more about how you help people recognize how they're being distracted and what you can do to help them free themselves? Yeah. A lot of the times the distraction is what has been known and referred to over and over as the monkey mind. It is your own thoughts. It's your own like inner dialogue that you've got going on about what you have to do, what you haven't done, you know, all of that stuff. And I think that, you know, the minute that, like you mentioned meditation, the minute that you can learn just to hit the switch and quiet that part of your mind, it's the best thing you could ever do for yourself because then you can truly kind of find peace and calm. And, um, and I don't know, I just feel like I see all these like folks suffering from anxiety and depression and all of these things because they feel so overwhelmed by that inner dialogue and that, 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 that it's like so overwhelming that they are that inner dialogue or they are that emotion. And I think the beautiful thing that meditation teaches us is it's all passing. It's all, it's a moment of, of this emotion or this feeling or this thought, and then it passes. Um, and so I don't know. I just, when I think about that, that's a lot of the times I, I tell people, people to start meditation, regardless of what that could be. And I, I often, I think I've talked to you about this before. Meditation isn't just about sitting in a quiet space. It could be doodling. It could be painting. It could be boxing. It could be Tai Chi. It could be movement. It could be dancing to music ecstatically in a way that you just don't even care if anybody's watching. All of these things, they're just ways of kind of Anything where you can like flip the switch on that inner dialogue and shut it off for just a little bit is critical. Well, most anxiety, I believe, is caused by having a mind of uncertainty. So most people are uncertain about their life, who they are, where they're going, what they're supposed to be. I see so many people who define themselves by their relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see that too. It's okay to do that at, at moments because sometimes it's really important that, you know, somebody says, well, I'm a mom, you know, I have children. This is the biggest part of my life. So they'll say that about themselves or they'll say, you know, I'm a kid <laughs> or what, however you want to identify with, with that kind of a relationship that totally makes sense to me. Um, but yeah. I don't know. Well, I irritate a lot of people because I'm not <laughs> running the friendship club. <laughs> When I point out to people that being a mama, a daddy, a brother, a sister, a friend, doesn't define who you are. Your values and your choices and your non-negotiables define who you are. And when you more clearly define them, you'll be a much better mama, daddy, brother, sister, friend. So how do you help people clarify their values 
and their choices? Yeah. So I think that is a really good question. Um, So a lot of times I'll read that for people. So I'll say, okay, I can tell that this is what you value. You know, I can get inside like kind of what their mind is and, and kind of go, okay, I could tell you value loyalty. So you're somebody who, you know, you're a very trustworthy and honest type of a person. And so, you know, that's something that you are. So you just kind of help them broaden their own horizon on it. So they'll think, oh, I'm this mother. Well, you can say, yeah, but you're also this and that and this. And think about who you were before you were a mother. What were your traits? I like that. Yeah. Before that happened to you, who, what was the person that you were? Because that part of you doesn't get discarded just because you evolve into something else. You're you're all of those things. And that's why at the very beginning when you asked me, I'm like, ooh, that's difficult because it's a multifaceted answer. It depends on, you know, what we're talking about and how I want to say that. But I don't know. So when we're helping people connect, and we talked about this illusion of connectivity that social media imposes. Could you say more about that illusion of connectivity? Yeah. Um, it, it really does have this illusion of connectivity. Um, I'm not really on social media at all anymore, but what I can remember from whenever I would, would be on there and what I would witness is there's this lot of this like external monitoring. So it was all always like, what are other people up to? And then this comparison of yourself to what other people were up to, or this feeling of, I have to post all of this stuff about me and get validation from others about what I'm doing. And I just feel like, is that connection or what is that? You know what I mean? Like, I just felt like a lot of social media feeds the ego. It doesn't really feed that part of ourselves that feels like actual support or connection for people. I think it can. I mean, I don't want to totally make social media be a criminal. I think there are moments in your life where you do, that's maybe the only way people can reach you and connect with you. But I just think, I don't know, I'm just such a 3D real world person. And it's so good to just be physically here looking at your face again. Because for so long, you know, we had to be on screens and, and very virtual. And it makes you feel... Like you're connected, but you're not connected. That's the best way I could describe it. We're having a conversation. I'm looking at your face, but we're not sharing a space. And as somebody who's a sensitive being, I can feel your energy when I'm sitting in in the same couch as you, as opposed to sitting in front of a screen. Well, naturally you deal with it. I deal with it a lot is that people compare themselves to others. Particularly, I believe that the explosion of body dysmorphia, particularly among younger females, when they compare themselves to these, this delusionary type of presentation that people put them. Yeah, I am witnessing, though, a complete shift in that, you know, and I see a lot of role models coming out now that are not in that space. And they're more celebrating the fact that, yeah, everybody comes in every different shape and size and there's nothing wrong with that. So I try to focus on more of that and and how I'm seeing the tides turn just a little bit. I'm glad you feel that way as when most people come to see me, they don't come in to tell me how well they're doing. Yeah, I get it. I get that. But I also think that, you know, I'm seeing and I don't know if it's just because what I'm choosing to notice, because that's a factor, too. Um, 
And I realized that, you know, I realized that you can choose what you want to tune into or not. And I probably don't choose to tune into a lot of the, the that kind of um, uh, social media where it's like, this is the perfect image and whatever. But I kind of feel like people aren't really interested in that anymore. At least I'm not. I mean, I can speak from my own perspective. I don't need to watch the Victoria's Secret show and watch everybody be. Well, it's not the Victoria's Secret <laughs> show. Just... It's people that put themselves out on Instagram, That's true. put them on Facebook, on Twitter, and they have these fantastic, lovely lives. They're showing the wonderful vacation they're on or the dream home that they have or their perfect children or their wonderful pet, uh, however. And then people compare themselves. Well, my life's not like that. And what I try to help people understand and not very often that this sinks in i tell them in the buddhist world we say that flowers don't compare themselves to other flowers they bloom and i try to impress upon themselves your job is to bloom mm -hmm. not yeah. to compare yourselves to the other flowers in the garden yeah that is really good that is a good thought process the other thing i i feel too with social media and i i've seen it is there is this real, and I don't know, I mean, the only one that I really notice um, now is I will watch a little bit of TikTok, and I do see people being real and honest, and I've seen people being in mental health crisis and, and moments of, like, just saying to people, I'm not okay, I need to step away from this for a while. Like, I, and I've, even outside of TikTok, like, I've seen people take breaks, and just saying, I'm taking a social media break. I, I need to recognize that this isn't healthy for myself. And I, and, and I think I get encouraged by seeing that. Because I hope that's a good message that they're putting out for other people to follow. However, I'm also more aware of the TikTok therapists. Yeah, for sure. But no, I just think that there's people who need to sometimes say, hey, I'm not okay right now. And then I also see like an outreach from others to kind of like, do that. But again, how real is that? How real is that connection? It's all like, I don't know anything where I feel like you're, you can hide behind some sort of fake identity. I don't find it to be super genuine and super you real. You can be certainly anonymous, which has yeah. led to the online cyber bullying, which yeah. is a real issue. Yeah. So when we're talking about this illusion of connectiveness, mm -hmm. I also can't believe that that plays into the illusion of separateness. So one of the things that we discussed in our last get-together was this illusion of separateness. Would you dive into that, please? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think the illusion of separateness, we talked about it a little bit, you know, earlier in our discussion about just what your preferences are and what you, what you, you like and what you don't like. And you know, at the end of the day, it's like, well, you both like colors and you both like flavor of ice cream. So it's like you kind of got to get past the very specific differences to understand the overlaying kind of connection between people. And that's what I'm trying to say by like, that's the illusion of separateness. The illusion of separateness is getting too caught up in the very, very minute areas of like thought concept and, and like these tiny little, it, it, like, it's interesting. You gave me, you know, this, um, hourglass or earlier. And, you know, and I think about 
the the separateness is that each one of those grains of sand in that hourglass is is separate but really it's all part of one big thing and that's how i look at us as human beings on this planet we're all part of a collective we're all part of like a moment in time on this earth and we have choices that we can make every single day that that impact and affect the future of this earth and future generations on this earth. And, you know, I think it's, I don't know why, but I think it's just really cool to look back at history too and think about those that came before us and the impacts that they left, good, bad, ugly, whatever it may be. Um, And then just kind of like sit with that because we even think of ourselves as separate from different parts in time, right? Um, It's really easy for us to just be like, yeah, we're so evolved right now, you know, this part of history is over, you know, but what we're finding and what I'm seeing within society is that a lot of this stuff is coming back to the surface. These, these things that have not yet been healed by, by previous generations, like a lot of the, um, like, like in Canada, they, they had, um, all of this stuff going on with the indigenous culture there where they had, you know, thought everything was fine and healed and everything got covered up. And then no, there's still woundings there. No, there's still something that we need to talk about. There's a conversation that needs to happen. There's healing that needs to go forward. We need to be doing things differently. We need to be having this conversation. So I think, I think as I guess a collective, collective conscious moment in time, it's almost like we're at this moment of like, I don't know if I want to say the word reckoning, but it is that it's very much like, okay, let's talk about our ancestors and the things that they didn't do right. Let's talk about present day and the things we're not doing that's okay with us. And let's talk about the future and how we make it be what we want it to be. And so I don't know, whenever we talk about separateness, I even think about spaces and time and not being separate from that. Right. Because you know, in a sense, I just feel like we are our ancestors and, and we carry the seeds of the future. So we're that, again, that's the connector theme. We're that connector between the past and, and the, the present and the future. So for me, it's none of that is separate. We're going to continue our conversation with Santina Grace, and as a reward for listening today, you have a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables, unplug your television, and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Invite joy into your life and make beautiful choices. If we're all not God's children, None of us are God's children. Till all are free, none are free. Namaste. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait.